Welcome everyone to the Ove Torah Daf Yomi Shur. Today's Shur is Daf Zayin. We will begin on Daf Zayin Amur Aleph, towards the top of the page. Hahu, the Amar Lahu by Dichrel Aman. So we explained last time that there's a difference between fertilized eggs and unfertilized eggs. Fertilized eggs can become into a chick, whereas unfertilized eggs cannot. This guy was standing there and he said, by the Dichr who has fertilized eggs? Who could sell them? By the Dichr So he's repeating the same statement. He's looking for fertilized eggs. He had a little bit of the stuff in the matter, but they go, they sold him unfertilized eggs. Atlik made Rami. He went in front of Rabbi. Amalu, and he told them, it's a mistaken purchase. Since he asked for fertilized and he got unfertilized, he has the right for a full refund. So, of course, if he specified what he wanted, of course he can get the money back. No, maybe this guy really wanted eating eggs. So if he wants eating eggs, why did he specify that he wants it from a rooster? Why couldn't he say, why didn't he just ask for eggs? Right? Because they have more fat content. A fertilized egg has more protein or fat content. And therefore, you might have thunk that that's all he wanted. Now, he was asking the Mayan of Camino, who is the difference? Even if he wanted it because it tastes better, he's still entitled to a refund. He spe- specified he wanted the better tasting ones and didn't get them. Mars says, no. Because if he wanted it for eating, then he's not entitled for a full refund. He's only entitled for the difference in price between the two eggs. You can't get your full money back. So if you attended to be eating, you would only get the difference in, in, in price. Now you can get your whole money back. Kamashmal, you get the whole money back because we assume that you did it for hatching chicks. And hatching chicks, the, the unfertilized one has absolutely no use, and therefore you're not entitled to any money back. The e-bite, Ema, another way to understand the story. Now, Rav had said before, Rav had said, As it finishes, as it leaves the, the rooster, the hen's body, that's when it finishes. Some say, that's what it means the following, What it means is, that once most of it comes out, that's when it's come fully formed. Like Rabbi Yochanan's rule, which means like this. Once most of the egg is out, even if it goes back into the hen afterwards, and it comes out that it gets fully laid afterwards on Yom Tov, you might have thunk that since it's going to be fully laid on Yom Tov, it's no good. But now we're telling you that once it, most of it comes out, it's okay. And the statement when it comes out, it's finished, it means when most of it comes out, it's finished. Even though it subsequently goes back in, it's still called finished, and it's called laid before Yom Tov, and therefore it's edible. Some say, When it's fully out. Others say it's anti-Rabbi Yochanan. We're telling you, that imitzetad means exactly like it says. When it's fully out, it's considered laid. And don't go like a Yochanan who says that most out is called laid, and then it could then go back in and be actually laid on 
on the holiday and be allowed. No, it goes by when it's fully out, not most out, and that's the other way to understand the statement of Rav. Gufa, we learned. If you shecht a, a, a hen and you find inside an egg, which are formed, then they can be eaten with milk. Rabbi Yaakov says, no, it, it depends. Only if they're not attached with um, with Gidin. But if they're attached to the body, then they are sur. My Who is the Tana of the following Baita? If you eat from the dead carcass of a kosher bird, and you eat from the cluster of eggs that you attached that are attached inside the body when you cut it open you found a cluster of eggs or you found from the atzamot from the bones or you ate from the ginyo the sinews or or from a piece of meat that got cut off while it was still alive tahor you don't become tameh by eating nevela when a person normally eats a nevela you become tameh the bright is saying you don't become tamei if you eat from these parts and not part of the animal. But if you eat if you ate from the actual ovaries, or from the crop, or from the intestines, or you melted the chicken fat and you swallowed the chicken fat, tamei that is part of the animal and you become tamei. So which tana says that if you eat the actual ovaries, no, no, the eggs, you still tell her it's not part of it. I'm Rabbi Yosef to look at Rabbi Yaakov. That's against Rabbi Yaakov. Because remember, Rabbi Yaakov said before that if they were covered with gidin, then they were asur. When we said they were asur, that means that you can't eat them with milk. That means it's part of the animal. And here we're saying, the Rabbi Yaakov, and he wouldn't allow So he holds that if it's attached by gidin, it's asurot. And the Brayta says, that they're not tameh, that means that they're not part of the animal. Make up your mind. Are these eggs part of the animal or not? The bright is saying that they're that if you eat them, you're tahor, that means they're not part of the animal. But Rabbi Yaakov was saying that you can't eat them with milk, which means they are part of the animal. I'm a Abayah, so Abayah says, Mimai, who told you that? Dilma Adkan, look Rabbi Yaakov had the reason why Rabbi Yaakov says his law over there, that they're part of the animal and you can't eat them, they're, they're, they're called meat, not milk. That's regarding Isura Basar B'chalav. Maybe when it comes to Tum'ah, since it's only Din Dirabanan, the rabbi is lenient, and the Yaakov would be lenient with Tum'ah, and he would agree with the Brayta. So maybe, maybe you'll say, what do you mean? If you make a Gezerah regarding eating Basar B'chalav, you should make the Gezerah also for Tum'ah, it's also a serious law. That kind of, uh, when you make a gezerah on Tum'ah, it's a dangerous thing. Because if you make a gezerah on Basar Bechalav, the guy just avoids eating it, but it doesn't cause a problem. When you make a, a gezerah of Tum'ah, something that's not Tameh, it causes extra Tum'ah. The rabbis try to avoid doing it at all costs, because that could cause you to end up, let's say a guy ate these eggs, and it's really not a sword, and the rabbis just make this extra extra gezerah, you might eat Juma afterwards, and then say, 
or touch to him and say, oh, I'm Tameh because I had Nevela. It really was Nevela. So you end up causing more problems than you're fixing. And therefore the rabbis are very careful to avoid that when it comes to Tumah. And therefore we could really say that Rabbi Yaakov can be the Baton of the Brighter. And the reason why he didn't say the same law when it comes to Tumah, he said, Yitawar, because he doesn't want to make extra Gizirot when it comes to when it comes to that, when it comes to Tumah. The Igrami, others say the other way around. Who's the Tana by the Tumah? Who says it? I'm a Rakov, Rakov, you could be Rakov. So, according to this version, the one that says you Tameh has got to be only your Yaakov. Because your Yaakov says it's part of the animal. So, right? Amalabaya says to him, Mimai de Eshkol Mahanach de Talia be Eshkol. Why did you assume <coughs> that when we said this statement, it's the Talia be Eshkol talking about the ones that are, that are the eggs which are hanging from the Eshkol? Tilma Eshkol Gufa, maybe talking about the Eshkol itself? Chitim Eshkol Gufa, my the memra. What's the Chidush of saying that the Eshkol that you tameh? Of course you tameh. Me David Kukabano by Mayim. We're telling you it's similar to the Kurkaban and the Menei Ma'ayim and the intestines. Even though these are Basad, we mentioned them. Because since there are some people who don't eat intestines in Kurkaban, we have to tell you that they're considered flesh and they're making Tamer. Since there are some people who don't eat ovaries, we tell you that also. Therefore, you don't have to tell me, don't assume that because there's no Chidush, in saying that the ovaries are meat, that we're talking about the eggs. We could be talking about the ovaries also. Just like there's no chidush on the, on the kukavan. The only chidush is that some people don't eat it because they think it's disgusting. So too people don't eat the ovaries they think it's disgusting. And the only chidush is that even though people don't eat it, it's still meat. But it's not necessarily proof that's talking about the eggs themselves. Tanu Rabbanam, we learned in a brighter. Kosh tashmisho bayom nolad bayom. Any type you have a species that has relations during the day, the babies are born during the day. Anytime they have relations at night, it's born at night. Anytime they have relations both times, it can be born day or night. Anything that's born a day is, anything that has relations a day is born in the day. What's an example of that? Tanagolot have relations during the day. And the chickens are hatched, the, the eggs are laid during the day. Anything that has relations at night have get born at night. Zu'atalif, that's bats. Bats have relations at night. And baby bats are born at night. Anything that has relations at indiscriminate times are born at any time. Adam that's man and other mammals can be born at day or night. Because relations sometimes take place both day and night. Aman Mor, we mentioned, we said anything that has relation to have babies during the day. Why would you tell me, why do you have to mention that? What halachic difference is there whether chickens are born during the day? Says, oh, 
You know why we need it? We need it for Kurov Mari Braid of Kana, for the rule of Mari Bar Kana. If you check the hen's nest on Erev Yom Tov, you didn't find an egg in it, and the next morning you found an egg in it, you mutar. Why? Because since chickens lay eggs only in the day because they have relations in the day, therefore, you checked it early, meaning you checked it right before sunset, and then you checked it again in the morning, right before the sun rose. And you found it at the end. Now, if it was born on Yom Tov at night, it'll be pa'asur to eat, because muksa. If it's born during the day, of Yom Tov, it's allowed to eat. We're going to assume it's born during the day, because we just said that chickens only lay eggs during the day. Whereas it's habadak. How can it be? I thought the guy checked. If the guy checked right before Benesham Shot, how can you tell me it was during the day? He checked right before sunset and he didn't see it there. Mark says, Well, maybe he didn't check so well. Because we have this rule of the chickens, we assume that you checked badly. And it was really there, you didn't see it. And even if you did check well, we could say, Yes, you checked well, and it wasn't there. But perhaps it came out fully, which or came out mostly, and then it went back in. That's called officially born, and that's called late. At least according to the first version of what we said. And therefore, if it's it'll be mutar on to eat it at night because it really was late during the day. And when you saw it later, that's only because it was already out during the day, at least rough. And that could be a second answer of how we could assume it's during the day, even though the guy checked. So, Andy, is that true? But I'm Rabbi Yossi Bashul. I'm a Rav. Badak, Bekanesh, If you checked the nest on Erev Yom Tov, you didn't find an egg in it. The next day you woke up and you found an egg in it, it's Asur. That's the opposite of what we just said. Because Rav is saying the opposite of Kana. Rav Kana said it was Mutar. Now we're saying it's Asur. But it says now, The reason why Rav says Asur is because he's talking about unfertilized eggs. Unfertilized eggs do, are, are, are not subject to the same rule. Why? Because the fertilized eggs, the reason why they come out during the day is because they're having relations with the rooster during the day. But unfertilized eggs don't come from relations at all. Therefore, they're not subject to the rules. They can come out at night as well. If so, Ramari's rule also. How could he say that it happened before Yom Tov? Maybe it was Safamara. When you see the egg in the thing, how are you allowed to eat it and say, oh, it must have came out during the day because they come out during the day? Maybe it was an unfertilized egg. We're talking about a case where you had a rooster with the hen, so you know that it's a fertilized egg. And therefore, since you know it's a fertilized egg, you could also know that it came during the day, and that's why you're allowed to eat on Yom Tov. So what? There's a rooster there. Maybe the rooster was there, but the rooster didn't decide to have relations with the with the hen. And since it didn't have relations, this egg is a safran anyway, and therefore it'll be asur because it may, might have been laid on Yom Tov. How can you be so certain that it happened before Yom Tov? It might be an unfertilized egg which has no rules of being there in the day, and it might have came at night on Yom Tov and be but be asur and mukseh. 
says, We know that the hens, whenever there's a rooster around, they don't bother to get unfertilized eggs. They always only have rooster eggs if the, if the rooster's around. If there's an egg with a rooster around, it's a rooster, it's a fertilized egg. How far could the rooster be? And you assume that they're all fertilized. I'm a rav. As long as you hear the rooster crowing during the day. If they, the hen can hear the rooster, that's enough. Sometimes you'll be up to 60 houses away that we assume is going to be up to 60 houses away, we could assume that it is from the, it's a fertilized one, and therefore it's before Yom Tov, and it's Mutar Yom Tov. Up to 60 houses away, we assume it's from the rooster. But, it, but that's only true, the 60 houses, if there's no river. But if there's a river, then you can't rely on it. It might not be from the rooster, therefore it might be a sewer in Yom Tov. But if there's a bridge, it'll go over and you can rely on it. But if there's only a rope bridge, then you can't rely on it. But one time it did go over the rope bridge, and therefore you can rely even on a rope bridge that as long as it's within 60 away, it's okay. Okay. Says the Gemara. Bumai Ukminata. How do we establish the case? Besafnamar, we say it's talking about Safnamar case. My Iria Badak, if so, why do you have to check a Kilo Badak? Nami, if you're saying the case. Of Rav, that it's Asur to eat the egg on the morning of Yom Tov, it was checked, was talking about a unfertilized egg. Then it should be Asur whether you check before Yom Tov or not. Why are we saying that you check before Yom Tov? Implying that by checking it going into Yom Tov, you're causing the problem because you know it couldn't happen before Yom Tov because you checked. Guess what? If it's an unfertilized egg, even if you didn't check before Yom Tov, and it could have happened before Yom Tov. It should still be Asur because it could have happened afterwards. It might have happened tonight. It should be Asur. If you didn't check, we're allowed to presume that it might have been during the day. And therefore, we don't have to assume that it was late at night. An unfertilized night could happen any time. We can assume it might have happened during the day and it will be okay. In a Safek situation, we are going to allow you to eat it. Why are we allowed to eat it? Because even unfertilized legs get laid more during the day and the night. And therefore, you can rely on the on Rav against the Vashir Shlomatinim. Okay. Says the Gemara. Even if you didn't check, maybe it was from yesterday. If so, and even when you check, It might have happened. The case of Yochanan is not usual. And therefore, we don't want to allow it. If you, if you checked the, the nest, we will not say, well, maybe it came out out of Yom Tov most and went back in and got laid on Yom Tov. We don't want to say that to rely on that because Yochanan's rule is an uncommon case. We'll assume that'll be a problem. But if you didn't check... Then, it, if you didn't check, 
it might have happened before. But if you checked, it'll be asur. Says Gemara, "V'amar Yosef Vashul Amar Rav, Hai Tuma the Shechika Sekanta Gilgulta." Another rule from the same rabbi: If you have ground garlic, don't leave it out. Just like you can't leave out regular garlic, you can't leave ground garlic out. Okay. Says the Gemara, we're at two dots. According to the Mishnah, the Mishnah had said, Bet Shemai says, Seor needs a kazayit. Seor is sourdough that you use to make dough rise. So the Mishnah had said that Seor, if you have sourdough which is able to make other dough rise, and you had it in your possession on Pesach, the amount that makes you over the Isur de Oraita would be when you own a kazayit. But if you have chametz, sorry, yeah, but if you have chametz, Bet Shemai says that has to be the size of a date. Bet Yilel says both Seor and chametz have the same shiur of a kazayit. So kazayit is less than a date. So when we tell you a shiur of a kazayit, we're being strict. And we tell you a shiur of a date, we're being lenient. So basically the only one we're lenient is, is Bet Shemai when it comes to regular chametz. But when it comes to sourdough, it's different. So there's a different halacha, according to Bet Shemai, there's a different halacha between sourdough bread which is bread made from sourdough, and the actual sourdough starter, which works like yeast. So the actual sourdough starter, if you have a kazayit, there's a problem. And the, and the sourdough bread, which is made from sourdough, or yeast bread, or whatever kind of bread you have, then it has to be, according to Bet Shemai, no, according to both of them, the, the, the bread itself has to be a kazayit. Unless the more than a kazayit is already a problem to own on Pesach. Why is Bet Shemai make a difference between a Kazayit for Chametz and a Kazayit for Seor and a a date for Chametz? Why does it have the same rule? Where does he get it from? If you're right, Bet Hillel, that both Seor and Chametz are Kazayit, why does the Torah just say chametz and not mention Seor? Just say that chametz is you not allowed to have chametz in your house. And I'll say, well, if you can't have chametz in your house, even though chametz can't make more, which means if you have sourdough bread, you can't put a little bread into some other dough and make that rise with sourdough bread. You need sourdough itself. So. If chametz, which can't make more bread, is a kazayit, seor, which can't, which is much more, much more chametzifiable, seor can make other things into chametz. Surely it should be a kazayit. So now that we just said that, so seor is extra. Why did you mention seor? Seor dechtiv la'machman lami. Why did you mention seor? You could just say chametz. I would have figured out from kavuchomer. I don't want to teach you. Bet Shemai will tell you the reason why I mention Seor is to tell you that there's two separate shiurim that one of them has a lenient shiur of, of, a, of a date the other one has a strict shiur of a kazayit the one what does Bet say back? If the Torah would have only mentioned only if the Torah would have mentioned seor sourdough, 
However, I mean, I would have thought the reason why sourdough is asur, because that's able to make other doughs uh, rise. But sourdough bread, the which can't make other doughs rise, and I would think maybe you're allowed to have it. If I only mentioned sour, I would think the reason why you're not allowed to have sour in your house on Pesach is because it can make other doughs. But holding regular crackers in your house, which is chametz, but can't make other doughs rise, if it all, only mentioned sour, I would never know what that's sour. So, trick is I need both. We get let's say the Torah, maybe you'll flip it the other way. See, let the Torah only tell us about chametz, and I'll figure out sour. If sour is asur, chametz is asur, for sure sour is asur. Should the I would say, no, if I only say chametz, like crackers, I would say the reason why it's asur to hold in your house over Pesach is because it's fit to eat. But sourdough, which is fit to make your your dough rise, but it's not fit to... It's good to make it, your, your dough rise, but it's not good to eat. Therefore, you might think it's okay to have on Pesach. So therefore, the Torah needs to write you both pesukim. Says the Gemara, Ubet Shemai let lehu the Rabzera. Bet Shemai doesn't hold the Rabzera. The Amar Rabzera, because Rabzera says, Patacha ketuv besor. The Torah start off with sor. Besim besim bechametz. There's a different pasuk we're talking about here. The pasuk is on the bottom. It says, Shivat imim sor deyemetzvachem. For seven days, you shouldn't have any sourdough in your house. Kuroh bezukin. Anyone who eats crackers. Will be will be cut off from from Israel by Gezachars. So the funny thing is that the same pasuk same talking about seemingly the same thing. He starts off talking about sourdough and he ends up talking about chametz, which is like a cracker or something like that, or uh, or anything else chametz, Danish, which can't make something else. Why does it start with one and do the other? telling you that they're the same shiur. So we mentioned both these things to teach you that they're both a kezayit and none of them, not like Bet Shemai who says that one's a kezayit and one is like the size of a date. When it comes to eating chametz, everyone agrees that chametz is like seor. And they both chametz is like seor, they both need a kezayit. Keep leaving them, or the only question is whether we're going to get rid of it from your house. Bet Shemai says, we don't connect eating to having a house. And therefore, just because eating, they're both kezayit. Over here, one's a kezayit, one's, one's a date. Bet goes to the laws of Biur and says, the same laws of Achila apply to that. Says the Gemara. Says it's my nami. Everyone holds the kazayit. Tanya,
Actually, we'll go a little further. We'll get to the two dots at the bottom. Okay, the Mishnah had another case. The last case of the Mishnah was about slaughtering an animal that needs covering the blood. If you slaughter a chayah off, a deer or a chicken, or any other wild animal, not a cow or sheep, you need to cover the blood. If you do that on Yom Tov, if Bet says you could dig with a spade to cover the blood, dig with a shovel on Yom Tov, cover the blood. But Hillel said not, not to dig and not to shecht unless you have it ready. The fact that Bet Shemai, who says you're allowed to shecht and you're allowed to shovel and dig. He says the word hashochet that you already shechted it, so it sounds like the avad in the chachilalo. It sounds like if I ask a rabbi, am I allowed to shecht? He'd say no, don't do it because it's hashochet, one who's shechted, implying that it already happened already. But why would you mention a case of happening already? Must be that if you ask us, we'll tell you no, and you just tell me my case of happening already. Even bet Shemai. So it comes that bet Shemai does not allow you to slaughter the animals. What about the Seifa? It says, don't shecht. It sounds like Tanakhama says, you can't shecht. Because the fact that it says, Betelel says, you can't shecht. It sounds like Betelel is actually allowing, going to shecht. It says, not a question. means, don't shecht and cover. Which means, as opposed to he's telling you that after you slaughter, you can't cover it. That's what Bet Hillel meant. So Bet Shemai says, if you shechted, you can cover. Bet Hillel says, even after you shechted, you still can't cover it. Just leave it over there. So lo yishchot means don't cover. I mean shechting. Shechting means the end of the shechting process is covering the blood. And that's what he's referring to. Ema sefer, that doesn't work either. Why? It says, we admit that if you, Bet Shemai and both agree that if you slaughtered, that you could dig with a shovel and cover it. That means the ratio is not b'diavah. That means he's actually allowing you to do it. And when Bet Hillel said, Lo Yishrot, it means Lo Yishrot, but if you shechted, you can do it, it sounds like. So, Amarava, Hachikam Ashochet, Shibadim Loch, if a guy who shechted comes to ask a question whether he could slaughter it if he has no dirt prepared, what do we do? Case number, what do we tell him? Bet Shemayim, Omelo, we tell him, Shechot, Chavor, Vekaseh. Slaughter first, then dig, and then cover. I mean, once you have the blood, then you let you cover. He says you can't do it unless you have dirt ready from the day before. That is the opinion of Rabbah. A slaughterer who comes to ask you what to do, right? Betchem, right? Can't tell him what do you tell him? Bet Shemai says, you tell him, dig, shecht, and cover. 
So Beit Shemai lets you dig first, and then shecht, and then cover. Beit Yilal says, don't shecht unless you have it ready. That's of Yosef's version. We have Rabbah's version of Yosef's version. I'm going to have Yosef, I'm more of a Rabbah, let's assume, the reason why you argue with Yosef is because you, you guys are arguing about the famous law of Rabbi Zeir Amarav. What is that? The Amar Rabbi Zeir Amarav. Hashochet tzarich shiitin afar lamata ve'afar lamala. This rabbi holds that you have to, when you cover blood, it has to be sandwiched with dirt on the bottom and dirt on top, according to Rabbi Zeir Amarav. Shnei mar, v'shachav fachet amor v'chisov afar, afar lo ne'amar, ela be'afar. Don't say cover it. Don't say cover it. Afar, it says be'afar with the dirt. In the dirt means there has to be dirt on the bottom and the top. She said kisau afar. It says kisau be'afar. So that we learn that it has to be sandwiched in blood. The more it laid the rivzera, we're assuming that Reb Yosef holds the rivzera, and that's why Beis Shammai says dig first. Because you have to dig first in order to have the bottom dirt of the sandwich there. But if you didn't dig first, you don't have the bottom dirt of the sandwich. And Rabbah, who says slaughter first, because he doesn't hold you need any dirt on the bottom. Only dirt on the bottom. So that you only need dirt on the top according to Rabbah. Like not like Rabbah Barazera. And that's why he holds. Since you don't need dirt on the bottom, first shecht, and then you'll dig. Amalitz Rabbiosa told him back now. Ben the D, Ben the Rabbah. Whether me quote the Rabbah, it was there. We both agree that it has to be sandwiched. How come we hear the machlok is like this? Rabbah says Rabbah holds in If you already have dirt on there, on the floor, where it's going to fall, it's fine. But if you don't have dirt there, then you're not allowed to dig dirt to put on the bottom. Why? The reason why Rabbah makes you shecht first is because we're afraid that you might get ready to shecht and then get distracted and not shecht and then you did the avera to get it ready to by, by putting dirt there but according to me Rav Yosef says Hadifa, we'd rather you do the this thing first why? because we don't let you you're not going to do which means if we don't let you dig the earth before you slaughter you're going to tell you don't dig the earth. So don't don't slaughter anything because you can't dig the earth. And then you're not going to have a barbecue. You're not going to subchat yom tov. All because this guy is making a mistake. Oh, and therefore, that's the difference. Okay, we're going to stop at the word modim shim shachat at the bottom of the page. Three lines in the bottom. Baruch Adonai